You know, if you really believe the words of that song, what's that song really saying? If you really, really, really believe and are convicted about the words of that song, what's that song really saying? That you and I would be one. And Dave alluded to it right there, that if you really want to be one with Christ, it goes way beyond being justified with him, way beyond what he did on a cross. If you really want to be one with him, he's going to want to take you says that he is the, the potter and we are the clay. He's going to want to mold you. He's going to want to shape you. He's going to want to twist you. He wants to get rid of the dross and he wants righteousness to come. That You and I would be one. Is that what we really want? It's a brave thing to sing it. It's another thing to do it. It's another thing to be born again and enter the kingdom of heaven. It's another thing to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's a totally different person. It's a totally different game. It's not necessarily the message that the Western church really likes to hear. It means partaking of the life of Christ, partaking of his sufferings, partaking of his persecution, that you and I would be so enlightened. You know, when the Bible says that God's going to make us into his own image, what do you think that means? It's a nice thought, isn't it? I'm going to be like Jesus. Do you really want to be made like Jesus? But for those that do, as Dave said, I love, he has the ultimate reward, inheritance for his people. For those that want to go through the fire and to be purged by the fire, there is a righteousness, there is an inheritance, there is a reward. And I'm not talking about a big house in heaven. I'm talking about something that goes way beyond that. That you would literally walk on this planet like his son. Now, we are not God, okay? But we have God on the inside of us. That you would be made like him. You would become the word. That you would become a witness, not just be a witness. That when you walk into a room, the room and the atmosphere changes because you just turned up. Because not what you are, but what is in you. Do we really want that? Because that's what that song is singing. I won't relent until me and you are so unified as one. It says in Genesis that we are made in the image of Christ. We are made in God's image. What that word means is that if I had my brother here, my younger brother who looks a lot like me, and he was speaking, you might walk in from here and go, oh, that's Greg. And then you take a second look here. No, 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 it's his younger brother, Marty. It's that close. It's to be that close close any volunteers that's what he's asking you and I got a message to deliver this morning that probably is not going to tickle too many ears but I think it will inspire us and motivate us and that we would be on a pursuit of righteousness that we would be on a pursuit of purity, that we would be on a pursuit to be made like him, into his image. And I'm excited about it because I think if we can truly get this and we can put our will aside, what God has for you and me is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. There is an intimacy that the Father wants with you and me, his church, that would blow our socks if we can see it. The Father's love you can't describe, can you? 
You cannot describe the Father's love. I can't. The word indescribable, I think, is a beautiful song to try and describe who God is and his love. And, you know, this message that I've got, how many people have, have, have you've had to deliver something that you know it's going to be a bit tense? Whether personally or in business, you know, you've got to, you've got to speak, you've got to step up and you've got to say, well, and as Danny said, in my heart, I, I, I'm going to say everything I say in love today, but I want to honor God more than I want to honor people. I want to be the vessel that God will use, and, and that brings sometimes persecution, and I'm up for that. Because his righteousness and his truth is what has to be shown here on earth. And he wants men and women that will stand for righteousness and truth and to be persecuted for it. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I had in my heart to talk about Jesus and his magnificence and his beauty out of, out of Hebrews. God just, just totally just blew my mind you know, that, that Christ had fulfilled this old covenant and he'd brought the new covenant. And what that means for us, that we can go into a place of the Holy of Holies to be purified and to be made like him. But then Tuesday morning turned up and Matthew 15 jumped off the page. And, um, and so I want to share from Matthew 15. So if you've got your Bibles, just want to encourage you to, to go there. And we're going to share from Matthew 15 this morning. Okay, we're there. 1 to 20. <clears throat> In my Bible it says, Tradition and Commandment. And some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, I love how Jesus always answers a question with a question. He like that. He never gives you an answer. He's always trying to get you to think. He's always trying to get you to process. He's always trying to get you to, to go on a journey to discover what he's talking about. Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. It's pretty strong. <laughs> but you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He's talking about resource to help their, his mother and father. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles the man or the woman. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? Truth offends. God's word offends our carnal nature. It offends our carnal man. It's supposed to, because he's trying to purge you for you to be living in a life of freedom and for that to happen, you've got to be broken down for him to build you back up. And he does that via his truth. But we all have a choice as to whether we will allow the truth to enter us, don't we? The truth will only ever set you free if you apply it. The Western church needs to start applying this book to their lives way more than they are. I do. And allow it to come and purge me the fire that I would be made into his image. This is what he's saying to the Pharisees right here. 
they're going to get a bit upset. But he says this, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into the pit. Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. Excuse me. Jesus said, Do you not, sorry, are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not know, sorry, do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornication, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things that defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Father, this morning I pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to just talk to us. I pray your Holy Spirit will, the way only he can do, is just convict us and challenge us. Not Your, your Spirit doesn't condemn us, Lord, but you do convict us, Father, today. And I pray, God, that we can see with the eyes of our heart what Jesus is truly saying here. I pray, God, that we would see that you have, you have died on a cross for us to be made into your image. And that's going to take some doing. That means we're going to have to give you our heart. We're going to have to put it on a plate. We're going to have to have incredible humility. We're going to have to die to oneself to be made into the image that you want your church to be made here today in 2010. And God, it's going to be hard because it means that we've got to die. But Father, we're up for it today. And we say, come and judge us, Lord, in the areas that maybe we're not in line with you. And make us put a put a a prayer desire would be birthed in our spirit, God, to want to be made into that image. So, Father, we say, come and talk to us, commune with us. I've called this thing lip service. Lip service. This situation right here is bigger than just some men not fulfilling some laws and traditions, isn't it? There's something way bigger happening than just that. Jesus is what he's really saying is, you know, you guys are a counterfeit model to the real deal. You're actually a counterfeit model to the real thing. And you know when, um, when banks teach people about money and trying to discern a counterfeit bank note between the real, you, they actually don't study the false stuff. They study the real stuff to know what the false stuff is when it comes. They don't study the fit, counterfeit money. They study the real money. And Jesus is saying, you guys are a counterfeit to the real deal because you don't know who I am. You're closed off to who I am. He says, you honor me with your lips. You honor me with the external part, but your internal, your heart is far from me. And it's so far from me that you can't even see me when I'm in front of you talking to you because you're all about the external. And I'm a God about the internal first, then the external. He says you're more concerned with your traditions, your ceremonies, your positions of power, your wealth, what's in it for you, than you are about developing an intimate, loving, obedient relationship with me, truly allowing me to be the Lord of your life, to be able to shape you and mold you and that you would fulfill everything I have for you as my church. But no, you're more interested in your traditions. You're more interested in ticking boxes. You're more interested in going through a whole lot of rituals. And maybe someone's been brought up in that environment. 
And you can never see in. You can never see. It's like you know it's not life. You know it, but you can't. You're stuck in a rut because you can't see. You can't see what he's saying. You can't see. You know, I know people that have. You know, when when God, when the Spirit's alive in a person, and people would judge the person and point the finger at the person because they can't see what that person's saying, so they must be wrong. No, no. They're understanding at a level beyond the carnal nature. Jesus is saying here, you guys, you're counterfeit. How many people would know if Jesus came up to you and said you're counterfeit, you'd get a bit upset? You think you wouldn't like? I said to you, man, you're a counterfeit model of the real deal. You're going to get a little bit offended. You know what's really hard? They just couldn't see it. They thought they were the real deal, didn't they? We can think we know it all and be missing stuff. We can think that we've got our theology and all our stuff down pad and you can't teach me anything new. That's not, I'm going to, we're going to touch about some scripture because that's not true either. We can think we know it all. And when God wants to do a, mu- a new move and he wants to come with a new move and it's about something in your heart, we can cut him off. Nah, judge it. Nah, that's not of you. Nah, of course you can't. Because the carnal's responding, but it's the very thing God's trying to break over you. That's what he's saying here to this, these Pharisees. So I'm here to do a new thing. I was a new wineskin. And what does Jesus say in Revelation about overcomers? To those who have ears and to those that can see. You know what? Jesus hid truth. Do you realize that? Go read the parables. He told a story, and the, the parable is not the story. The parable is not the truth. The truth is behind the parable. And he hid stuff. So he was at the crowd, and he'd say, the, parent, the kingdom of God is like this, and then walk off. You imagine, they're all going, what's he talking about? This disciple said, what, what, do you understand what this fellow's talking about? No. And he'd say, if you want to discover truth, guys, come follow me. It's the narrow path. If you want to know what I'm talking about, come follow me. Discipleship is way more than hanging out with a group of people and having cups of tea and loving on people. It's about discovering truth that God has purposely hidden. That he would say, he got the heart to see it. Let me just read you a scripture. I'm jumping all over around the place, but I'm excited. Proverbs 25.2. It is the matter of God to, it's the heart of God to conceal a matter. It is the matter of God. I might be, I might be butchering this a little bit. It's the matter of kings to search it out. I'm telling you today, God is wanting us, veils to be lifted off our eyes, that we would see a new thing he's doing on the earth. And it's going to start in your heart. Nowhere else. If you try and do it in your head, you'll miss it. But your heart has to be prepared for what he's going to bring and do. And if it ain't, you won't hear it. And you'll miss it because guess what? It's a narrow path. Many find a road that leads to a whole lot of gibberish, but the few find it lead to life. Now, sure, with the context of that, non-Christian maybe, whatever, but I think we can apply it to us. He is, he's always been after intimacy with us. And it's easy to sing songs, and it's easy to come on a Sunday and do the rest. And you know what? Yeah, I'm empty, man, on the inside. I don't have this life that the Bible talks about. Probably because we are entering into a process of intimacy because it's on the process of intimacy and fire that you actually get to find them. Do you realize that? That's why God allows us to go through stuff. 
Because if we, <laughs> how many people honestly would, would, I know I wouldn't, would go after God full on hammer and tongs without ever having to go through some fire? The church of Laodicea is talking to the Western world today. You have your money, you have your services, you have all the flash stuff, but you ain't got me. And he says, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. And would you, if, you, if you open it, I'll come in and dine with you. But no, we've got everything we need. We don't need you. It's a heart issue, guys. It's a massive heart issue. Unless our heart is one of love, intimacy, hear this, humility, allowing God to truly be God and build the way he wants to build, engagement, and position correctly in a relationship to the Father, there is a possibility we will never be able to see what he has in store for us, no matter what the external looks like, whatever it might do, how attractive it is from the outside, even the fruit that it may be producing. That's a biggie, eh? How do you judge fruit? If you haven't got a discerning eye, how do you actually judge fruit? Because it can look like it's got the goods, but its foundations are hollow. It's, it's, it's going to fall over when a storm comes. We need to be seeing in the eyes of the spirit, people of the rock, not in the carnal, not in the physical. And we need to be on a pursuit of intimacy so we can see, because it only comes through that. You're not gonna if you if you're the same as you were 20 years ago, you are today. You've got to be on a pursuit of intimacy to be able to see what God's saying and discern what He's saying. Jesus says there are people, two guys, and they bought this, they built the same house, and from the outside it looked the same. You know the story, but when the winds came and the waves came, we really got to see what the house was built on what the internal mechanisms and structures that were being built. This is the church that God wants to see built on the earth. It's an internal working. It's not a bunch of people coming to a building and it's a bu- It's us. It's his people. And that there is an internal, cult- internal culture of our heart being developed that will stand when stuff comes. It's called kingdom culture. And how many people know we're living in a world today an economic system that is going to impact on itself. America is not the superpower it used to be. We need to wake up and see the signs of the times. And God is looking for a people, a church to be built that will stand when this thing kicks off and the world will look because it says that the world will come to the brightness of the kings. Who are the kings? Us. But if we're building like the world, if our internal system is defunct, there ain't no world, the world's going to look at us, are they? We are to become like Christ. It starts in the heart. And I'm speaking and preaching to myself. Jesus says these words. No, I'm going to go, listen to this. 1 Corinthians 3.12. We might be here for a while. Is that okay? You know, I have this timer and I never hit the button. <laughs> I never hit it. 1 Corinthians 3.12. Now, if any man, now you need to listen, okay, really listen to this scripture, builds on the foundations with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. There's a difference of, you know, what's being built upon. Each man's or woman's work will become evident. 
for the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire. This is talking about the judgment seat of Christ when we all stand before God and he judges us for everything we've said, done, or thought and our works, okay? It says the fire will test the quality of each man's work. In the last two weeks, God has shown me stuff that I've never, ever seen. I'm in Revelation fast-forward mode, and I'm going to be sharing. This is part of it, and I'll be sharing more of it. I've come to discover, and I've known this but not known it. So this is going to sound really weird. It's spirit-led works that we need to be doing. If it ain't that, it's going to burn, and you're going to stand before him, it says here that you will be saved just because of what he has done for you on a cross. Nothing to do with you. How do you be able to do spirit-led works? You need to be intimate so you can hear what he's saying he wants you to do. You could walk into a room, and let's put this as, I'll put this back on me. My heart is to see people saved, as you know. I could walk into a room, and the old me would have gone, okay, got to get someone saved. I'm just going to start a conversation, because I've got to get them saved. If that's not being spirit-led, spirit-prompted, spirit, then that can just be my human works. And it says that that could be, literally could be wood, hay, straw. Now flick that around, I'm alive in the spirit, I'm working with God. I'm intimate. The only two things we need to do is be able to hear and obey. And if God's people could hear and obey, look out. But it's going to be where? In the heart. And our heart needs to be one of humility and humble. And say, God, speak to my heart. We can't have stuff in it. And so this external thing, the Western world is pumping out. Let's go there. It's all external. Now, please hear my heart. There is a, it is about doing external, but it's got to come from an internal wiring. That's what he's after. He goes on, he says, if any man's work which has been built on it, he will receive a reward. What's he talking about? If my salvation is secure, it's done, what reward? Is it a big house in heaven with a flash car? I don't think that's how God works. These are some of the stuff that he's been showing me. And I'm going to be talking about it, not today, but as we go forward. It says, if any man's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. Hey, loss? What do you mean? We're in heaven. I'm standing before your throne. And I'm going to lose something? Yeah. It says you're going to suffer loss, but it says, but you will be saved. It's not a justification thing. It's not a... You know, the cross is in jeopardy. I've got to earn my works. It's not that. It's something beyond that, that he's trying to get through to his church. It's a process called sanctification, partaking of the life of me, allowing me to be truly in you and come out of you, which means you've got to die. But as you do that, I have things for you that go beyond your thinking, that go beyond anything you've ever seen in this book. And do you want it? Because it's for your benefit, not mine. But I'm inviting you to something of just incredible intimacy and purity. 
But do you want it? And if you do, you've got to be purged. You've got to die. Does this sound familiar? Scriptures about this are coming off the page at me now and just hitting me smack. It's everywhere. And there is something for those that will go the narrow path. Not the easy path, the narrow path. Have I got you excited about what that might be? Where am I up to? Jesus says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. What's he saying? He says, you can attend services every week. Now, none of these things are wrong, okay? You need to hear this. None of them are wrong in their own. But if you're just doing it, going through motions, then they are. You can attend services. You can pray. You can fast. You can give. You can sing. You can preach. You can heal sick. You can prophesy. You can look the part from the external, but not have intimacy with me, the internal. And I desire that before any of that other stuff happens. Why is there no power today? Why are we lacking power in the Western world? They see it across the globe. I think it's because we've got this external Christianity and the power comes from an internal place when you speak and reach because it's the kingdom of God in you that's coming out of you because you've become the word. You literally become love. Am I making sense? Can you hear what I'm saying? You become forgiveness. When Wendy was to slap me right now, I don't respond with a slap back. I respond in love. And love continues to come. And love continues to come. And the world goes, what on earth is in you? What's in this person? But when we go with this shallow, inbuilt system, hey, do you want to know about Jesus? Well, you know, They're seeing something. It's, Christ is to come out of us. I imagine, this might sound funny, but now I imagine this little <laughs> blown up little sort of Jesus and he's come into me and he's in my spirit. But my soul needs to get saved. My mind, my will, and my emotions. And the more I will die to myself, he grows. And the more I die, he starts taking over my thoughts. He starts taking over my feelings. Can you imagine pumping him up? And he starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the spirit... This God's spirit in me is starting to emerge out of me to the point where it starts, it's, he's full, I'm full of Christ. It's what he's after. And then he starts coming out your ears, he starts coming out your eyes, he starts coming out your hands, and the world go, who's this person? Why do you think when he walked the planet, people stopped? Why do you think the disciples turned and followed him when they didn't know him? Because there was something in him that was like, man, what's that? I'm going to say, what's that? What's that fellow got? rather than a bunch of people sometimes with placards standing up going for our rights. And they look and they go, what a waste of time. Jesus is tiny. But that is going to come from a place of intimacy. That is the narrow path. And Jesus is saying, you guys, you give me, not us, the Pharisees, you give me lip service. You're all about the external, but you know, you're missing something so much. And if you could see it, and some did, didn't they? Nicodemus saw it. Zacchaeus saw it. Can we see it? It's for us today. God is wanting to build a church, a people, that as we continue to go through these end times and darkness comes, that the world would look at it and go, look at the light and the brightness that's coming out of that, that church on a hill, and they'd run to it. 
It's an internal wiring. It's an internal structure, not an external. Although when this comes, the external is more, more powerful. That's why God said in Revelation, he said, you know what, I'd rather you were hot or cold. I love what Curtis said when he spoke. He said, I don't want you lukewarm. Why? Because when you're lukewarm, you misrepresent me. And people look and you, you spill this thing, the Pharisees, but you don't do any of it. I'd rather you were cold because then you can't misrepresent me here on earth and people wouldn't get you confused with me. How many people have that? How many people have looked at Christians and judged God? No one. I have. Now, there are awesome people doing awesome things, aren't there? But at the same time, there's a whole lot of Muppets doing a whole lot of crazy stuff. And the world looks and goes, well, I see that and I see that. And I don't know why well, I'm confused, man. I'll go worship Allah or Buddha or someone else and I'll just go meditate because that looks a bit more. Because God's people are more about the external than we are the internal. And I'm speaking to me. And look, I'm, the last eight weeks, and I don't know if you can see it, but I'm on this roller coaster at the moment, and it's awesome. And I have this desire in me now, that, which wasn't there eight weeks ago, and this is why I know it's real, because it's real tangible fruit, to die to me, to keep short accounts of my thought life, to take every thought captive, to not entertain anything that the enemy wants to throw at me and my old nature wants to speak to me about. I've got a love for you guys that was not there eight weeks ago. I loved you, but I didn't love you like I love you now. For the sake, I love you because of who you are. If I'm being honest, and I need to repent before you, I'm sorry that I was seeing some of the church was getting you guys to do what I felt was right, and let's go re reach a lost world. And I'm sorry if you'd felt that from me, that I didn't. <sighs> He's opened my eyes. There was a veil. And I believe we've all got a veil. I didn't think it was there. And it is there. And I'm sorry. I want to be father of this house, not just a taskmaster. It's a different way of looking at it, and I'm sorry. I hope you can forgive me. Otherwise, we can build the house in vain. I want to share just a couple of scriptures. Is this okay? Can we keep going? Because I'm only on page two. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just speaking. I'm just... Listen to this. Psalm 21, 27 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. What's he saying when he said, I will build my house? What's he truly saying? God is, I won't go into it now, but it's come by. He's shown me what that really means. Literally what that really means. That I have a blueprint. I have a design. It's already pre-built pre into my book, Greg. You just haven't been able to see it. But it's always been there. And will you build according to my blueprint and not what you think is right? Will you really do that? Will you really be humble enough and get off the throne and build and have humility to let me truly be God here on earth? Because if you do, I will build it through you and the nations will flock to it because it's God's Him. It's not me. I'm not in the way of it. 
And it's like I've been reading the Bible and leading in my whole ministry with one eye closed. And he's just, now, it's not intentional. I haven't intentionally, this is the power, this is the deception of it. It's like the veil, you think you've got it all. I mean, I've been looking through this window about this big, and God's just gone, shh. It's freaky. Because you go, how on earth are any of these people, I thought I had it together. How am I supposed to communicate some of this stuff? They're going to think I'm a nutter. They're going to put me in a straitjacket. What's happened to Simnor? <laughs> he used to say it was all about getting people saved, and now he's not. But it is. It is really important. It is. It's part of the salute. It's part of the thing, but it's not the whole thing. There is something for us before heaven. I'm going to be bringing it that he wants us to be a part of. For those who overcome. Go do your own study in Revelation. To those who overcome their stuff. To those who overcome their carnal nature. For those who take authority. To those who actually allow me to be who I want to be in them. They will do. A, there is promises for us in there. Go have a look. This is the stuff God is starting to show me. Because he says, I will draw my people to my church. You're going to be part of it. But go have a look. And ask God, and ask God to look through your spirit eyes. Not your carnal, not your presuppositions before, not your theology of what that may have mean. Because how many people know this is a spirit book, not just a dead book of words. And you can read a scripture and you could go, oh, you understand that theologically and miss it on one aspect. Now, I've got to be careful and I'll hear what you want to say, but there is spirit revelation that God will speak to you through. There is more truth that we do not yet know. It's contained in this book, okay, but we don't know it. Do you believe me? Are you sure? Good. Let me come back to it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. Psalm 127.2, it is vain for you to rise early and to retire late to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. What's he saying? You can, why do you think people get burnt out in ministry? I've come to these revelations because we're not building the way God asked us to build. I'm trying to do it all. I tell you, I feel way more lighter. I feel more freedom in me from the last eight weeks of this revelation than ever. The pressure to have to do this thing has gone. It's great. It ain't good. <laughs> it's awesome. And I can go and have a sleep, and it's still happening. Why? Because we're building to the blueprint of God. Because he's doing it, not me. And I just plant some seed, and I can go have a nap in the boat, and when I come back, there's, there's, there's a harvest. How did that happen? Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, no, I was having a good sleep. I was snoring my head off. Are you getting it? But we labor, we think, we go, oh, you know, Martha and Mary. Martha's making sandwiches for Jesus he never ordered. He's saying, will you come and sit at my feet? She's like, no, I've got to make some sandwiches. Got to get the jug on. You know, we've got to do this thing. Oh, don't forget about this. Or have you got the roast on? No, yeah, we've got the roast on. Can you put the washing out? Can you put, oh, yeah. Oh, I'll get the kids from school. And Mary's sitting there like this. What do you want to tell me? I want to be intimate with you. I love you. You have things for me that I can't even conceive. 
What do you want to tell me? That's what we need to be. And then we get up and we go. And it looks different, man. It is a different person walking planet Earth. The kingdom of God, heaven, is not a place. Okay? It's about governmental rulership and dominion through your heart. When he uses those scriptures and he says, rich men will not enter the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about heaven. He's talking about rich men will not let me be Lord in their life. And there's no way they can't enter it, what I have, because they're not prepared to die and give up their authority and let my authority come out of them. Is that new for someone today? It's new for me as I've been doing some study. I thought, what does it mean? Go look at Matthew 8, the centurion. He says, Jesus, you can heal my slave. He says, come. He says, Jesus, I'll come with you. Jesus, I'll come. He says, no, you don't need to come with me. I understand who you are. I understand your authority. I understand that you are God. And what does Jesus say? Do we know our word? He says, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And his disciples, imagine being Peter. Oop. <laughs> Oop. I thought I was the man. No. Nah. What about John, who loved Jesus the most? What, what, what was he saying? What was really going on? He says, this man allows, he sees my authority, and he understands it. The kingdom of heaven, God lives within. It needs to come out. And that's where the power is. The word vain in both these scriptures means emptiness, vanity, falsehood, devoid of truth. Galatians 5.1 tells us that it was for freedom and fullness that the life of Christ came to earth. We'll fly. I'm going to suggest to you two things. The reason the Israelites couldn't see Christ for who he was and gave him lip service, but their hearts were far from us because they had a veil covering their eyes. There was a veil covering, 2 Corinthians 3.15. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over the, their heart, eyes of your heart. Paul prayed that we would see through the eyes of our heart, not these, the eyes that are in here. This kingdom is a spiritual kingdom that is birthed in the heart of a man or woman well before it's in the mind. Do you agree with me? That's so why you can have all the head knowledge and do nothing with it, because the Spirit's not alive. That was the Pharisees. They had all the head knowledge. That's why when Paul got injected with the Spirit, boom, he came alive. Jesus is saying, in the scripture here, saying there's a veil that covers your heart, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. They couldn't see. When Moses, why do you think, he, they said, cover your face. The glory of God is too bright. We can't look on it. It's too piercing. It's too... Cover your face. Because their hearts, they couldn't see what was going on. This is the second thing I want to suggest, is that we can also have a veil that covers our hearts. And it's so subtle. And although we can see Jesus in a way that the Israelites couldn't, we don't see him in the way we need to. And we also give him lip service.
we too can get caught up in religious activity, focusing on the wrong things and missing the mark. We come to places like this to get, not to give. I love what I heard at NZ and Beyond. And Alan Davies, he's a uh, Welsh guy from in Australia. And he was talking about something sort of, not this, but he was talking about, you know, people that come up to him and say, you know, the worship really sucked this morning or the worship was bad or I didn't like the songs that they sang. And he said in the Welsh accent, well, that's all right. He says, we weren't singing to you, boy. That's <laughs> <laughs> so back to front, isn't it? Oh, man, the worship sucked. You know, Dave, he was off key five times. He really didn't hit it today. You're the man, bro. Well, Jesus is the man in you, but what's that? Worship is this. Glory to you, Father. It's got nothing to do with what's on here. This just helps us go there. We should be able to worship without that. If we can't, we're in trouble. We don't need music to worship God. It helps us, doesn't it? It's so back to front. Jesus is going, I want intimacy. Come on, start seeing. Start, stop looking through the eyes of the world, which is a, this isn't logical. But it is, isn't it? This isn't logical, but it's so logical when you're alive to the Spirit. Lose your life, find it. What? Come on, I want to lose more of me, man. I'm seeing, you know what I mean? It's like, it's captivating. You can't get enough of it. If you can see. Where does sight come from? Intimacy. If you're not reading, praying, sitting like Mary, tell you, there is a reward that you will miss out on. We're going to look at this more. You're invited to it. It's in here. It's nothing to do with salvation. I'm not talking about justification. That is done. I'm talking something beyond that. Five virgins understood it. They found it. Five didn't. They all had the Holy Spirit. Five quenched the Holy Spirit. Five took extra oil. Were alive in the Spirit. Could see could hear they entered five didn't go have a look at that one this is some of the stuff now if you think you're saying to me greg that scripture you just read in two corinthians it doesn't belong to me because i you know i prayed that prayer invited jesus in i've been seeing jesus and so on i would have gone yeah that was me too about eight weeks ago <laughs> i thought i had it down pat as well i thought there was no more to see than my little window which i thought was actually a big window i learned to realize it was tiny and now what I've realized is I'm thinking I'm looking through a big window. It's probably a tiny window. How freaky is that? <laughs> you know Peter had this as well? You go, what? The Apostle Peter? When I got this revelation, I was spinning. I thought Peter, he had a baptism in the Holy Spirit. He preached and 3,000 people got saved. Man, this guy, flipping, you know, he, he goes, you know, Gold and silver we don't have, but what I have I give to you. Boom, healing. This guy is like, you know, Jesus on the inside of him is just all over him. But then what does Peter do in Acts when he's having a nap and the Holy Spirit says to Cornelius, I want you to go send some men to this house and there's a guy, Peter, that I want you to, I want you to come. He's got a message for you. And God sends down, what does he send down? Some food down and a vision. Oh, I'm not going to eat unclean food. I'm not going to eat that. What do you? I haven't touched that. And I'm like, God's saying, this is clean. This isn't unclean. This is clean. And he's like, no, no, three times. God had to send him 
this vision. What was he trying to say? Peter thought he'd saw it. Peter thought there was this veil wasn't in him. How deep is it, God, I said? What are we not seeing that you want us to see? And he realizes, and he goes with the men, doesn't he? He preaches, and the Holy Spirit comes. It was all about the Holy Spirit coming to the Gentiles. It wasn't about some food. But he couldn't see it originally. But what does he do? He says, God, show me. And boom, revelation comes. And he goes and ministers. So what are we not seeing? What are some of the presuppositions that you have that you think you know it, that God wants to wipe out because it's an old wineskin? I'm asking these questions. Are we still okay? Okay. What is a veil? A veil can be a religious mindset, our thinking. Listen to this. It's not what we don't know that hinders us, but what we think we know. God wants to come and do a new thing. And this is where it goes deeper than just physical. There's a spiritual element to this called a Pharisee spirit. God wants to come and do a new thing. Opposition arises to the new thing. To stop what God is trying to birth on earth. Cain and Abel. David and Saul. Jesus and the Pharisees. And we can be deceived. We can have a veil and we can't see it. God's going, this is for us. Now we need to discern it because I do believe there are some things that aren't of God that people say are of God. But if you're, let's say, immature in your faith, nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian. You can be a Christian 50 years and be a baby because you've never entered a process of being made into the likeness of Christ, correct? You can have a six-month-old, two-month-old follower of Christ who was more mature than a 50-year-old because it's all about choice. This was a free gift. Are you going to earn it now? And if we're not on a process to be made mature, go read Galatians 4.1. I tell you, it's everywhere. Then things will happen. We will, we'll, we'll get it says we'll flapped around. The winds will come. We'll flap this way and we'll flap that way. There'll be a new church movement that says 10 steps to grow your church. And, oh, man, yeah, God, God, I better get this. And uh, it doesn't work. Oh, there'll be another thing over here. We go get this program. Am I freaking you out a bit? Peter said, Jesus said to Peter, who do people say I am? He said, oh, some say you're a prophet, and some say you're a teacher, and some say you're a good guy. Who do you say I am? He says, you're the Christ. You're the Son of God. He says, the reason you know that is because my Father gave you revelation. It wasn't just written a book. My Father revealed something because your heart was alive to see. It's a whole new ball game. So it can be a religious thinking, presuppositions, attitudes that are in the heart of a person that conflict with kingdom attitudes and culture. <clears throat> a veil can actually be double-mindedness. This is absolute truth. Just because the facts don't necessarily resemble this doesn't mean you judge the facts and not the truth. That's double-mindedness. It says in James that if you're double-minded, you won't get anything you ask for. This whole thing is built on principle. Faith is to believe in absolutes. The Word will tell you there are no absolutes. The Word of God tells me it's all absolutes. Are you going to proclaim that over your own life? Or are we going to be 
because we don't even know what's in this book. The veil covers the heart. It says there's a veil over the heart. It's always been about the heart, isn't it? If you believe in me with all your heart, we've got to see with our hearts. So what does it do? It limits a person's vision to be able to see and hear and have insight into what God is saying through his living word and his written word. Sight in the kingdom of God is essential so we can fulfill his mandate. What does he say in verse 15? He says this to Peter. Are you still lacking in understanding also? I've been with you, man. Are you still not getting this? How alone must he have felt? Man, he must be going. But then he responds in love. He's always about love. Love to see. Love for you to see. Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. Out from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, and so on. Matthew 5, 8. Write this down. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see the Lord God. It's all about this, to be able to see. Pharisees didn't have this alive. They couldn't see. Can I see what God wants to do here and continue to do through me here on earth? Key words here are pure heart and see. Pure meaning, purified by fire, free from corrupt desire, which means his way, not ours. How do I respond? How do we respond? How are you going to respond if someone cuts you off as you're driving out the thing, as you're on the motorway? Do we respond with love? Or do we get angry and swear and curse and try and cut the person off? That is the level that God has asked of you. He wants me to. That, that is carnal, people. Do you think Christ would respond like that? Who did he get upset with? The religious system. We are to become like him. Our ability to see from a heart changes everything. It changes the way you pray. It changes the way you speak. It changes the way you live. It changes the way you give. It changes the way you love. It changes your priorities and values. It changes the way you are building your foundations from an external system to an internal one. The battle is for sight and sight from the heart. So we need to ask Jesus, what am I not seeing? Is there more at the moment that I currently do not know? Is there a veil covering my heart? I would suggest to you there probably is. But you need to go and find that out for yourself. How do we develop more sight? It means single-mindedness. What I said before, faith. And we must be pursuing an intimate relationship with Christ to discover a greater relationship. Listen to read John 16, 13. says, The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. And he will disclose to us the truth to come. How? Guys, Come follow me, and let's walk. See, we're so competitive in the body of Christ, we've got to get our way across. You need to know this. What he's saying is, God, I wish you'd just walk together. I wish you'd be in an intimate environment of love. Whereas my people, my church, you are modeling, you are walking something 
And in love, you are trying to contend with what my book says. Through the gifts and the spirit, as you walk with eight or ten people, you are trying to figure out what this It's not about being right or wrong. It's about what are you seeing? What are you hearing? How does that match up? How do we do this together? We're too busy pointing the figure at people going, ah, oh, this and that, and, and oh, let me tell you, you got that wrong, and blah, 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 blah. And we're not becoming anything. In fact, people run from that environment. It's, it's not optional. It's this book, it's, it's something we've got to be in. If you're not in a, in, a relate, in a discipling relational environment, building family, you're missing out on something that the, the master, Jesus, modeled. It's not a given. It's not something you tick as a box. It's something you should have to be in. If I could mandate it, I would. <laughs> I'm sure if Jesus was right here now in front of you, he'd say, get in a discipleship group because this is what I modeled. Didn't do it by accident. But we go, oh, no, I ain't got the time because I've got to go do this, 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 and, you know, God, and, and we're too busy like Martha, running all over the place. Got to get to my squash, then I've got to go, you know, go to my Nutramedics meeting, then I've got to go to the movies, then I've got to go do this, then I've got to play a game of golf, then I've got to watch Liverpool play, then I've got to do this, and, go, and so, oh, I haven't got time to get into that environment. Oh, I'm so busy. And he's going, this is the environment. This is my model. This is my purpose. This is my blueprint. Why? Because I'm building, and what I'm trying to build is an internal system in you that's going to hurt like anything so you can represent me here on earth and that the world will look and the brightness of kings the world will flock to. That is a different church, isn't it? Unfortunately, that is what he wants, but that is not the Western church. But I believe God is going to build. He's building it now. There's a new wineskin. I'm meeting with different, and the, the thought processes are different. The way the building's different. It's back to internal. It's back to allowing him to be ruling and reigning. <clears throat> and out of that comes the works. It's not about big lights. It's not about big music. It's not about anything but him. When you fall in love, man, you don't need this, but you do. <laughs> is that an oxymoron? <clears throat> I don't need this. I don't need to come here on Sunday. Me and Jesus are cool. I got a great relationship. I'm in the Word. I'm, I feel the Spirit come. I pray. I'm, I don't need this, but I do. I absolutely do. I need family. I need you. You need me. We need each other. And the moment we get that and stop running away from each other, well, we'll be a better place. The church will be a better place. But it's going to come as we all take one accountable ownership of our own relationship and walk in intimacy with him. And I'm telling you, for those that want it, there is a reward waiting that the rest of us that don't will not be entered into. Now, that is what I believe. That's what I believe God is saying through the, the, his word to me at the moment. It's being backed up with some other people that I respect as well. And it's for this time. Why? Because of the times we are in. And you know, there is a gamut of truth in here that is still to come out of this thing that we don't understand. Why? Because we've killed the prophet. You can start praying for me. I'm praying that God would show me who, uh, if there's someone in our family that is a prophet that can not just go, you know, Greg, in a year's time, I see you, <clears throat> you know, like in Cambodia, and we've got this thing. I'm talking about someone that can take this word and can discern it for the times we're in. If you think that's you, come and see me. I'd love to chat with you. 
It was the apostles and the prophets that built. What has the Western church done? We've killed apostles and prophets. And God is rebuilding these two gifts. We need the fivefold, but those two together function. So if you're a prophet here, can you come and see me? I'm serious. I'm praying like mad for one. You need a speaking platform? Because I want to hear. My prayer for us all today. Come up, Dave, mate. Give us. Is this. And I pray this for including myself. Is that if we are playing lip service to our relationship with Christ and our hearts are far from him, that we would stop and re-engage our hearts, pursuing intimacy as the core foundation to receive insight and become the church that Jesus died for us to become. Because at the moment, guys, I don't think the Western world is representing our Lord and Savior that well. I heard some crazy teaching just over the weekend that made my spirit mourn. You know, human philosophy, human wisdom. You're going to get more of this from me because I now see that I haven't been preaching the full word of God. Not intentionally, but I now understand the word that I got four years ago that said, Greg, my people need my word. They don't know how to worship me. They need my word. Don't build it on man-made strategies. Build it on my blueprint, my design. I didn't know what that meant. Today, I stand before you and tell you I know what that means. It is going to mean change again. It's going to mean some structures need to change. It's an internal rewiring before it is external. And as that happens, and God speaks, and we do, we will do spirit-led works. It's a different church because it's us. It's not a building. It's God's people. And God's people going into every sphere of life because Jesus now in you is radiant. You are no longer lukewarm. You are hot. For those that choose to take this narrow path, you will overcome and go. I'm not going to tell you. Go back and have a look at Revelation. I believe that is part of the destiny that's on God's people. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, I just thank you for your truth. I thank you, God, that personally that you are speaking to me in ways and I'm seeing and hearing things in ways that I have never seen and heard. And I thank you for the internal change that has taken place. Father, I pray for us as your people. I pray for my brothers and sisters in you. God, I pray that what I've shared today would go deep, that we would actually have ears to hear it and eyes to see it. But I know, God, you hide truth. I know, God, you say it's the matter of a king that would search out the truth that's concealed. So, God, my prayer is that everyone would be touched today 
in a way that unlocks something. And God, if we have veils on our eyes, that they would be stripped, that we would see you in a way that we've never seen you before because, God, you've come for freedom. You've come that we would find freedom. And freedom is a scary thing because we don't fully know how to handle freedom. And we can abuse it. But you've come to have this incredible intimacy with your people. You've come to marry them. We've been invited to this thing. The two would become one flesh. And that the groom would come. So Lord, I thank you for what's in this word. I thank you for spirit eyes, spirit ears. And Lord, if we need to repent again today, for thoughts or attitudes, I pray we would. God, I pray for sight, prophetic insight to see what you meant when you said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail because it is men and women that take the kingdom by force. Daniel was one such man, Lord. His internal wiring system changed the culture of Babylon. Babylon didn't turn his, change his internal culture. And Daniel is a typology for us for this time right now of what you're looking for on this earth. I thank you, God. And I thank you for your wisdom and your truth. Most of all, Father, I thank you for your love that covers us and your grace that invites us to be partakers of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.